This is Art Unleashed with me, Jonathan Monroe. Welcome back for our second interview. We have a talented, multidisciplined painter, Nadine Mahoney. Not only does she work in oils, but she's also spent the last few years perfecting image making using fused glass. We sat down in January in her studio at the Chisholm Hill Studios in East London. Her practice centres around portraiture, its politics, power and the emotional associations. Nadine's website details can be found on the show notes for this episode. I've had a great response to the show so far and thank you to everyone who's been in touch. It's been lovely to hear from so many of you. If you're coming back or new to Art Unleashed, please consider subscribing to get new episodes delivered when they become available or add your own like or review. This will help the online algorithmic gods. Alternatively, please do share with friends or family. Okay, let's get into the interview. You're in this amazing uh, Chisnell studio. Yes. So we are in your studio now. We've got uh, your paintings on the walls around us. I can see glass and uh, the canal is just by the side. Would you uh, tell us a little bit about your practice, uh, what you're currently working on? So, um, yeah, I am a painter. I'm quite sort of experimental in my painting practice. So I make all my own materials, working with pigments, or make kind of water or oil-based um, paints and yeah sort of the the um, portraiture and the and the body uh, predominant themes I've kind of never really strayed away from those um, they've always held a lot of gravitas um, so yeah right now we've got uh, right in front of us there's um, giant hands that I've been working on um, it's about sort of two meter high painting that's sort of the standard I kind of work either sort of big on that size yeah it's massive <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's this sort of scary kind of hand and um, like the working title is a woman's touch um and the, the paintings are always sort of playful um i think there's the sense of sort of exploring the the body and kind of the feelings around the body um but i kind of hope yeah sort of from where the sort of the intention then sort of never taken too seriously um, and even the application of paint it's very playful of trying things out I never know where the painting is going you know at any point I kind of start with a vague idea like that was like oh looking at my hand let's paint a giant hand so the the ideas of the paintings are always very simple but the process and the application of paint is where kind of a lot of the complications arise that's really interesting I see a lot of uh, paintings around me as well which are faces um I can see eyes mouths it's not um uh, they're kind of very open, I'd say, um, the, the style of painting as well. Um, they're huge again, so you have lots of um, big and small pieces. Um, can you tell me more about your choices of using uh, the face in your work as well? Yeah, I, um, I've been fascinated with the history of portraiture for a while. Um, from things like the, you know, the, the lockets that, that you might give a loved one with sort of a picture of yourself or a picture of someone that means something to you that you these faces sort of they don't necessarily reference a person but they reference your relationship towards that person it was that side of portraiture that fascinated me or, or coins that actually you know from kind of roman times or even now like the queen's head is on our coin and it's sort of the the significance that these faces hold um and I've, yeah, I've just been fascinated by the power of the face, actually. And when we meet someone, it's the first thing you do is you look at someone's 
you look at someone's face yeah. and you communicate but you know with eye contact you know what does it say if you don't make eye contact with someone um that thing of constantly you're interacting with people's faces it's also when people don't make eye contact as well that actually um says a lot about the way they perceive themselves and we i think we make kind of interesting judgments on people because uh, if you hold the gaze um, i think that's quite a powerful thing to connect with someone isn't it um, oh yeah totally totally um and and just very intense i think as well that kind of the sort of relationship with kind of recognizing faces it's just it's a very or i i just quite often have a thing where you sort of meet someone you recognize their face you just can't place them oh god yeah and i but i i get frustrated but i love those things that like part of my brain knows this face but the rest of kind of the rest of me doesn't do you ever meet someone and they know you quite well and yes. you can't remember yes totally <laughs> and it's me. just like you, and then i think like if i met you at a private view or you like a friend of a friend or sometimes you're like or maybe as if i've just seen someone from tv that i recognize <laughs> yeah. that's just this sense that you just can't place it but your eyes have totally clocked their face and know it's familiar so in your um, paintings that I can see around the studio right now, there's lots of um, kind of deep pink, not, oh, sorry, the word deep is the wrong word. Like I see pinks and um, what is this color? Sorry, what would you say this color was? Um, the color by the eyes. Yep. Well, so they're fluorescent pigments. So that's what that's kind of gives it. them that kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah, so they're fluorescent pigments, which I discovered a couple of years ago and they're amazing. That They just give that, kind of otherness to the paintings um and just give them this energy that uh, just by applying the sun pigments wouldn't wouldn't have got that um yeah I love I love the energy of the fluorescence I have to limit myself because less is a little bit more if I paint the whole painting in fluorescence it's just a bit of a headache <laughs> which, which is kind of interesting but um uh yeah. yeah, so you're staring at that colour constantly, aren't you, while you're working on that painting? Yes, yeah, and I have to sort of find sometimes, actually, I have to sort of look away at, like, <laughs> look at the earth tones. You need to, like, kind of, it's like a palette cleanser looking at the earth colours <laughs> to just kind of uh, sort of re-centralise your eyes, actually, after looking at the fluorescence. Um, but I think what it gives the work is a very, it works um, as a photograph as well. I think um, the documentation of the work is so striking. I think when I've seen one of your paintings, um, you know, on your Instagram feed and, and places like that, I've noticed how um, it it sits in my head. Like, it doesn't go away. It's not something that, um, you know, sometimes I look at work and it's, I think because it's so striking, um, it, it really, it, it's easy for the brain to process, if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, I'm saying that in a very positive yeah, way. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, I suppose, because yeah, I don't, get to ever you don't ever get to see as an artist your work yeah. how someone else perceives it um well that's great because I think that was what you know it's almost I think with the fluorescence is something that in kind of a good way I kind of hope that you know this it's you know that thing when you sort of stare at a light for too long and it's slightly kind of burnt into your retina <laughs> that there is something that and I think sometimes that kind of meeting with someone you know that those first impressions that's what I try and get with that painting when you've had like almost like a wow factor with someone you know not just like a physical attraction but you just meet someone you're like oh this is yeah. that person's awesome and it kind of stays with you that first meeting with someone where you just click and you kind of get each other or you find someone fascinating um and I think yeah the fluorescence helped me kind of depict that that thought that was going through my mind so in your practice you've been uh working on uh, the female form is that right so this has been i think the last couple of years i really i yeah i made 
a sort of distinct decision to focus. Um, I suppose kind of historically looking back at my practice sort of during and straight after my MA um, at the Slate, I was looking very much at art historical portraits and art historical um, works and you're mainly looking at the male, you know, I wasn't interested in nude, so you're kind of mainly looking at the, the male form and it didn't really interest me, the kind of politics of it. Um, and actually kind of as the practice has sort of progressed and I was like, actually it's these, I, I can't really identify with the figures that I was painting. And I realised that was actually something that if I'm painting kind of how the body feels or how these kind of emotions are conveyed, actually using my own reference, kind of, you know, painting about my own body without being autobiographical, but my own experience of the world. So is the, uh, the faces I can see around me in the paintings, are they of yourself or...? No, I've never, I don't think I've ever made anything that would sort of be as a self-portrait. There's kind of always going it, to, it's, the paintings are kind of how I see and feel and navigate through the world in a way. So they're always going to have part of me in them, but I will, I've never kind of referenced myself. But I think there's more of a sense of trying to, if I'm painting the body, kind of painting from my own experience um, and kind of looking at kind of femininity and um, this this sort of duality. There's writings, um, Linda Nochlin um, was a writer that I'd sort of discovered um, who was sort of the first sort of feminist art historian in a way. And I just loved her writings about the, the female gaze and the difference yeah. between the male gaze. And that kind of, you know, really got me thinking actually, you know, I'm sort of taking inspiration from kind of these essentially male gaze paintings and actually if I want to kind of make the paintings about my view of the world actually kind of making them more about kind of how women see and feel makes a bit more sense yeah that's I and it sounds incredibly important as well the, the main thought I, I had when you were talking about your experiences earlier on in your practice uh, when you were at Slade and um, female form and um, a lot of the art canon around that is the male gaze, isn't it? Yeah, is totally. the male's perspective um, somewhat um, often can be almost sexualized? I think some of the images, or there's definitely. <clears throat> and, and when I look at your work, it's not. It feels very much. Um, it's almost in your face. The face is in your <laughs> yes, face. Yeah. <laughs> well, I quite like this thing of you. Know, I, so um, several years ago, maybe maybe four years ago. So I. So an event and I'm, I've never been very good at doing the kind of elevator pitch of what my practice is like. I kind of go around and talk in circles and had been describing my practice to someone and he said, oh, like a girly Francis Bacon. And I was like, oh, um, uh, I don't know if I like that. I like the bacon bit. That's awesome. But, but the use of girly in that context yeah, as well. And it just, um, I, it was in my head for a really long time and it kind of still is like five years down the line. Wow. But it was this thing that actually kind of, it, it then made me feel, oh God, I, I then but felt also guilty for the But also associating you with a male artist at the same time, which I yeah. find so interesting. Well, it was kind of fascinating that it was like, you know, his thing was kind of, it was kind of psychological and like bacon, but I'd use pink like a girl. And then it just, it sort of, it, it, there was a whole, it kind of blew my mind. And then I was upset with myself for being upset for being called girly and, you know, thought... So there was this thing in the paintings of back in the studio and it took me a while. I always find it takes a while for me to like the dust to settle on things like that. And actually I kind of wanted to take ownership of this girliness. And then I started maybe using pink even more of actually like this crazy, I think then the fluorescent, I made a 
painting that had a lot of the fluorescent pink and thought if I'm going to use girly like let's do like full-on in your face kind of yeah. scary this sort of you know that you know the vision when the Spice Girls first came out <laughs> it was just, <laughs> so it, it was the yeah, this idea of actually kind of yeah taking ownership of this femininity so I kind of turned this girly comment into actually no there's a femininity to kind of me as a person and I'm a mum and actually you know that's an important part of how I paint I'm very very sensitive and it kind of got kind of enabled me to celebrate that a bit more in the practice that's so interesting um <laughs> I would love to keep talking about your painting but I do know you've been doing lots of experiments uh for quite some time now in glass as well um would you like yeah. to uh, the transition from paint to glass well, or another medium yeah so I think so if I start off so my application of paint has always been built up in layers um very much sort of translucent layers. So the colour you end up kind of seeing at the end of the painting is never really just one pigment. There's been several sort of opaque layers of, of paint. Um, uh, sorry, uh, translucent layers of paint. <laughs> um, just to sort of create this sort of very sort of dense opaque colour. And um, I'd had a studio visit. So I was in New York for a couple of years and I... Um, I had a studio visit from an artist who was looking at some works. I'd cut out these shapes on paper and was trying to move away from the rectangle. And she just sort of made this passing comment saying, oh, you know, these could work really well with glass. There's a place in New York that does glass and you should apply to um, to study there. And and I, yeah, I just thought, wow, this is not something, you know, I'm, I've always been a painter. I make my own paint. I couldn't, I felt I couldn't be more painterly and entering into a realm that I felt was a bit more sculptural was a bit daunting, but I kind of contacted, it's called um, Urban Glass in New York, contacted them and got one of their um, scholarship places. And it was a game changer, just seeing actually the similarities between, so it's it's kiln-formed glass, so you don't, you know, you're not blowing the glass, you're not kind of working with a whole team with molten glass, but it's sheets of coloured glass, and it felt very much like collage, but I loved the experimental element that you sort of cut up all these bits of glass and then you put it in the kiln and then this magic unknown sort of territory happens <laughs> and you open the kiln door and you were like, whoa. And, and there, there was no, there, like, I loved how you, you could slightly anticipate what certain things are going to happen. Um, but I think unlike a lot of the people on the course who wanted these very perfect finished products, I just wanted to see how many bits of glass I could lump up on each other and kind of, you know, if, if they were too thin, how would it would crack and could I move the crack a bit sideways so it kind of cracked by the mouth and um, making these eyelashes. So um, it, it, was an, it was an amazing uh, time for me just to be able to play and all the materials were free and glass can be quite expensive. So I had kind of about four, I think we're five months there. Um, they have an open time in between the classes just to go and experiment. And it was it was fantastic just to be able to handle a new material and just see the colour through the glass as well. Yeah. Also inspired paintings back in the studio of just looking through these sheets of glass. Um, was fascinating. And I'm still figuring out how the two... It still feels like a very new part of my practice. It's, Do you have... Uh, you have a kiln here, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my first bit of kit, I feel, was very excited. So it was this time last year that I bought a kiln, which was very scary... <laughs> Of finally kind of spending a bit of money on my practice but um you know you've made I, it when you spend yeah. even a little bit of money on yeah no that's it like I'm a pro professional artist now I have professional equipment and everything to prove it um and it's quite it's like a talking point in the studio of like look at my kiln Ta -da! 
Uh, and because I, I had tried making some bits, sort of, you sort of layer these bits of glass and then I tried kind of then basically carrying them down to different places where you can hire the kilns. But it always moved, it was always misshapen and I wasn't in control of the temperatures that they fire it at. And I just thought if I need to carry on with glass, I've got to, you know, invest. And it was quite good for me just to take that leap and say glass, this is going to be like an important part of my practice. And it also feels like you can do more of it, doesn't it? I mean, you can yeah. literally do more yeah. of it, but it also feels like you can do it any time of the day. You don't need to pre-plan and, and stuff in the same way. And totally, there's been bits where I've, you know, thought I was kind of having like a painting day and was kind of covered in paint and then suddenly like one of the things in the painting and I was like oh man this would this would be awesome on glass and this would work really great and then I can literally grab a baby wipe kind of clean up my hands and then just cut up some bits of glass and chuck it in the kiln so being able to be experimental like that with glass um has been fantastic so with the glass you've been working you said it's uh, I wouldn't use the word unpredictable maybe I'm, I'm not sure what word yeah well I, I it's it's I suppose with with a painting you're kind of doing sort of step by step and you're assessing constantly whereas with glass you kind of do a certain amount of work and then put it through the kiln and um you know certain colors the very like darker colors absorb more heat yeah. so the kind of alchemy and science to it fascinates me but also i try and maintain a sort of playfulness with it of being like okay let's let's see what happens if you put this through and sometimes it goes horribly wrong um Sorry. Um, Do you keep more I keep moving. Looking sorry. At other I, keep stuff in look, the studio. I keep looking at my art. Sorry. Must look at the microphone. my apologies. <laughs> uh, that one one full sheet of glass completely broke apart, just you know, liquefied. And it um I was horrified and quite heartbroken when I opened the kiln door. And actually as time passed, I just thought, wow, this is amazing. I could have never orchestrated this and I love that I can still you can still find these happy accidents with glass in the same way that I do with painting because I think a lot of my strongest work has been things where I've you know I haven't known where they were going and couldn't envisage the final piece so it's that kind of otherness that I think has been really exciting to know that glass still can do that so with that um um I can't remember what word we settled on was it unpredictable yeah, well, I think no. I think unpredictable works quite well. That you you can sort of nudge it. Yeah. For, well, the way I work with glass, anyway, I basically try and set up a situation. I think that's probably the best way of describing it. Maybe I sort of set up this situation, kind of thinking these are some of the possible outcomes. So a lot of it is the sort of height that you layer the glass. If you layer it um, above six mil, it's going to kind of flatten down. So if you make it quite thick, you know that it's kind of going to blob out for want of a better word. So when it comes to like intention and what comes out of the kiln, when it comes to uh, your practice from painting and, and trans, uh, moving over to glass, um, do you use the same type of forms? I can see some in front of me here with uh, lips. Yeah, um, I, I, the, the imagery, so the drawings... Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Imagery, imagery yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as painters we use the word imagery. I'm trying to be smart about it, but no, nope, imagery is it. <laughs> um, so yeah, the imagery, and I think that's been really kind of important from the uh, start when I, when I first started working with glass. I'd been... Um, painting these eyelashes in the studio and the first thing I made were these little sort of 3D eyelashes just using scraps of glass um, and I it they has to sort of come from the same place for me um, but sometimes I'll do a drawing and I think oh actually this would work better with glass um, so yeah there is a sense whilst I'm sort of 
sketching, but it comes from the exact same starting point of making drawings or scribbles. So just going uh, into the process a little bit more, how do you um, move into glass? Do you just like walk into the studio, cut some glass and start placing it together? Or is there like a, a sketchbooks or do you do paintings first before you go into it? Yeah, I wish it was sort of as, as straightforward. I kind of, um, I think with so much of my practice, it's just constantly exploring stuff. So I'll be... Um, I might have an idea, you know, as I walk into the studio, I might say, have an idea of like, oh, I've got this, you know, sketch that I've been working on and maybe let's try and put it into glass. And, um, you know, and and so you have a sort of glass cutter and you're cutting shapes and positioning them. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't look right, actually. So I'll use it as a springboard. And then whilst I'm, you know, I might just carry on cutting glass just to see and layering them and maybe seeing actually maybe by layering these two colours, is that giving me an idea of where to go? But I think I both, I'll be up on the studio wall, I've got paintings and I need to get more glasswork up, it's just tricky getting that up, but I'm constantly looking at the paintings whilst I'm doing the glasswork and then constantly looking at glasswork whilst sometimes holding some of the glassworks up to the light and the window and seeing the light shine through will give me an idea for what I want to do with a painting and how I want to kind of layer up some colours. The the light through the windows, because uh, you're on the second floor of uh, the studios here at Chisholm Hill um, and you have a gorgeous view of the canals. It's like, I can hear it's, birds sing. I'm, I'm so lucky. Um, that <laughs> for I, a painter as well. Yeah, and I, I don't think I appreciated it until I had a studio in New York for a couple of years, which was a view of like the BQE which is kind of a little bit like a small version of the M25 so <laughs> kind of going from like you couldn't really open the studio window because the fumes <laughs> were just too bad oh, um so yeah coming back and returning to the so you had canal. the studio before didn't you yeah. yeah so yeah coming back to the canal and you've got the the bird song I don't know if the mics are picking it up but it is just I I do feel like I have really lucked out because the calmness um and then even sort of the chat from the kind of barges along the canal are really lovely is it yeah that's a you really know. interesting thing i'd not thought about um, and concerts when victoria park have their concerts like you can't fully like you know you can't hear everything but yeah, actually yeah. it's quite a nice kind of having so it's funny it, it's because when you live in london so long sometimes it can be quite tiring. So places like this are so good for the mental health. Oh my God. Yeah. Especially just, it feels, you know, you've got kind of busy road on the other side and you just come in here and I, yeah, you can sort of tune straight into kind of the studio practice a lot easier. Yeah. Um, so uh, you moved to uh, New York and how long were you there for? Uh, so I was in New York for a couple of years. So I think, yeah, just, just over two years um, and had a, studio um you uh, you went with your husband yes and, yeah, yeah yeah so yeah the yeah. whole the whole family went kind of husband and two kids and it was a great uh yeah it was it was fantastic of being having been a Londoner and kind of always you know I studied here I've always lived here it was a great experience just to um I think to feel like an outsider a little bit like it, it sounds a bit weird but it was just quite good to sort of be out of my comfort zone that I didn't really know any artists I didn't really kind of know the kind of New York art scene it was um it was also, it was quite liberating in a way because they went you know no one was really going to come to the studio so I didn't necessarily have to finish any paintings on time or make work that I thought would you know appeal to certain people that were coming to the studio like all of that just went out the window and I just it was a bit like a residency I just felt really liberated and I just painted 
I really got to focus on what I wanted to get out of the studio. And, um, you know, if a painting took a year, took a year and it would just totally I felt it really liberated the practice I'm really excited about the impact it's made did it change um, what you actually um, worked on at the time or was it more of a, like a stepping stone into um, um, just continuing yeah so yeah I don't think there was a drastic difference I suppose it trans it was a transition I'd been looking at kind of I'd been looking more at depicting these female forms um, so it happened around the same time um and I discovered um uh some sorry I can't actually recall their names um sorry I discovered some feminist writers out there Joan Didion and um yeah I think it was just I think also kind of the change of scenery also kind of set in place this kind of bit of a shift in the practice it's a chance to refocus yeah and question more or or just not um... yeah and I think you know I sort of packed up a lot of the stuff you know even paintings I'd been halfway through got packed up and I just didn't take anything with me really so it was setting up the studio from scratch and then just you know thinking okay what materials do I need rather than in the studio I tended to just use didn't even bring any oils with you no 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 I didn't bring anything um I think I even forgot to bring I was going to pack paintbrushes and then forgot so I think starting (laughs) an artist yes yeah (laughs) it sounds Um, like you needed it though yeah yeah it was it was really really fantastic I think um uh, just not having any of the previous work around to reference and just starting starting fresh in a way but you know with kind of still all the knowledge and every kind of everything you're interested in still there um yeah it was uh a um did you have uh, yeah. your studio um so uh, so here, I, they're quite large like reasonably large studios especially for london it was a much smaller space yeah, yeah. yeah. oh yeah 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 <laughs> and and even then i was kind of i told you yeah, we were quite lucky so it was the jm studios which is attached to the nars foundation and it was still a price hike and was quite hard to sort of sustain the studio for the time i was there um but i was told it was still quite a decent sized studio for even most new yorkers and it's like a fraction of what i had here yeah uh, and I was sharing with another artist as well. I'm assuming you didn't get the opportunity to make too many two meter large paintings then. So that was it. I would work on one big painting at a time. Yeah. Um, so it also it changed the way I worked. So normally, I don't necessarily start and finish a painting. I probably have maybe about five of the big paintings on a go and kind of several medium sized ones. So it focused me a lot more. You know, you would start a, a big painting and. I would just keep working on it. So some of them did inevitably get overworked, but it was it was good for me to work in a different way that even whilst the painting was in transition, I was just constantly looking at it. There was nowhere for it to hide. I couldn't, you know, put it on another wall. Yeah. There was just that one big wall. Did you have space to stand back and at least look at it? <laughs> uh, well, sort of, yeah. So we were sharing it. So I'd stand on sort of Aglay side, which is a bit further back. But even, even there wasn't the distance that you need for a painting yeah, on yeah. this scale. <laughs> um so I think um, also so Wink Behind is the is probably one of the last paintings I made there. And I, I think that's also a painting I don't know if I would have made in a different space because it, it, it's very sort of, um, uh, it's very sort of zoned in and the face is very much cropped. And I think that was also a reaction to the space of being, I was constantly, my face was literally in the paintings. There was nowhere to spe- step back. So some of the paintings which inevitably were bad and there's always kind of many of those there was nowhere to hide from your mistakes <laughs> they're just sort of staring down on you 
Especially um, when you're drawing paintings of faces yes, staring yeah. at you. Staring <laughs> literally, at you. yeah. I literally had these giant faces um, staring back at me. And yeah, Wink, I think, was definitely a response to the environment I was in. Uh, so um, we've talked quite a lot about your um, current work and, and what you've been doing in the last couple of years. Um, I do know that you've got two children. So yeah. You've just told yeah, us as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> how has that changed your practice from... Uh, uh, yeah, the shift yeah. Oh my like... god, so so many changes, so many frustrating and so many positive changes. Like it's, I think, I think yeah, transition to I think artist mother is it's a big deal. I essentially think that you know not in a bad way, but being an artist, it's quite a selfish. I, I, it sounds like such a bad word, but it is essentially you've got to really prioritize what you want. Um, and you have to constantly and, keep and constantly keep questioning, you know, that, don't you? People questioning, ask you to do things. You've and, got to, yeah. yeah, and I think you've got to be kind of very much in your own space, in your own head, and have confidence in that, and give it the time. And then, for me, kind of the experience of being a mother, then it's kind of it's a very giving um, experience. You've got to, it's finding that headspace that let both of them happen. And I think also it was that the. the um, just your time also you know when they're when they're little I had this wonderful vision when I was pregnant that I was going to have a Moses basket in the studio <laughs> and that when kind of the baby was there when he would sleep I would paint and it was great because kind of being freelance and kind of working my days around kind of kids and then he was born and he just didn't sleep <laughs> <laughs> like I think that's everyone for every new parent goes to isn't it warning yeah if yeah if you're about to have a child this <laughs> might scare you uh, and then he just didn't really sleep. And then I, I was so determined. And then I had him in like a baby carrier and would sort of bounce around the studio and try and paint. And then like paint had got in his hair. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the worst mother ever. And he just, <laughs> I just kind of kept, it was just, yeah, it, it was a struggle, I think, to try and find how to fit this new kind of life, this new part of me kind of fit in. And emotionally as well, you're, you're giving kind of the kids so much. And then what do you have? left for the studio um it's it was you know it's it's hard but also there's also that sense that you've had an amazing a life-changing experience and actually I think definitely with as well with the way I work that actually the life experiences that I have are kind of more more stuff to put into the paintings in a way so it's you know it's not just something that's taken away from my practice it's definitely made my practice also I think in many respects I think it's something that people just don't talk about enough I think um, life experiences and that being one of the biggest you can have yeah you know we have this idea of the tortured male tortured male artist genius and I think anything we can do to shift that um yeah focus. no I I think and there's that thing and also you know that child curate sort of you know, it, it's still kind of, you know, the mother kind of does get the the brunt of it. And I think um, there's also that sense that, you know, in, in the art world that maybe actually, you know, I had had comments after I had, I, you know, thought, oh, nothing's going to change. Like, you know, I'm just going to take a few months off. And I had some comments when people wanted to do studio visits of like, I, you know, I told them I just had a baby and, you know, could do a visit a little bit later. And there were some negative responses of like, I wasn't anticipating of like, oh, you're a mum now. Okay, it was nice knowing you. Oh, wow. And from a gallery and it, I, I really knocked my confidence for a while. It wasn't balancing life and being a mum, but it was actually people's perceptions that actually 
you're kind of giving everything to the child that actually what can you do to the studio and I think if you're determined to sustain your practice you're you know whether it's balancing paid work which most artists do balancing paid work in studio you're just you've got another ball in the air that you're juggling and actually sometimes if you want something done give it to someone who's busy and you know if I'm more focused in the studio I do have less studio time but I'm much more focused I'll probably spend a bit less time procrastinating that I might have done previously <laughs> that, you know are, are kind you of suggesting focused? that the only way to fix the procrastination <laughs> in the studio is to have children but yeah yeah totally if you're struggling with procrastination have a baby <laughs> um, and yeah so one of the things that I've I think one of the struggles that I had to find actually was allowing myself just some time to think in the studio initially I just came in and was like right I've got a few hours paint 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 and for the first few months, I realised actually I'm not painting anything good if I'm not stopping to just stare and think. So yeah. that was finding a way to allow myself, you know, even if I I can make something, you know, do a really great bit of painting in 20 minutes, but I spent two hours, you know, of thinking. And so just allowing that to rebalance itself in a way. Um, have you, do you find um, whilst you're, when you're spending time with your children, do you, do you have headspace to be also thinking? Yeah, that? I'm thinking, so I, I also, I wonder as well that so suddenly having all these neon VTech, so VTech is a brand of kids' toys, having a lot of that stuff around <laughs> in my house and shiny things. I was back in the studio and I was looking at some of the fluorescents and then I just kind of wondered, I wonder, you know, would I have picked these if I hadn't? Because I'd been, I'd worked a lot with kind of blues and darker colours and wondered if like these crazy sensory toys, um, or, you know, baby sensory stuff where you've got like, it's like a this aluminium foil thing that, you know, runners wear. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called, that emergency blanket thing yeah. of baby sensory s- sessions with that. And I was, I just find myself basically mesmerized like a child of like oh look at the lights and you know so <laughs> it's like you know this is for your baby not for you and so I think actually you know it wasn't that it totally took me away from the practice it might have physically I may not have been in the studio so much but I was definitely thinking a lot and I think even actually with the recent work about kind of the body I've got a much greater respect also for my own body and awareness of it after kind of having a baby you in know, what way, so? Well, just, you know, just the capacity and the power and kind of what it's gone through, like it grew a human being, you yeah. know, it's just like, wow. It's mind-boggling, it's isn't it? It's yet mind-boggling. <laughs> that, uh, and, and my own strength, actually, of just, you know what, I there are certain times which are really difficult and you just kind of power through and you survive. And so it was great for me, actually, just to realise actually this this sort of, you know, inner strength, this sort of lioness that can come out occasionally oh, wow. that motherhood can... <laughs> what a word. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, it's, it's definitely, um, it changes you, but I think kind of for the better... What do your um, children think of your your practice? Do they understand what what, they, what you do? Or? Yeah, so um, I don't think they have much interest in art. Right? <laughs> they, um, um, I've been to shows where you've brought. Uh, yeah, Henry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Henry's, Henry's come along. So Henry, yeah. So I try and um, so especially when the days when I was with them before they were both full time at school, I would try and think, okay, let's go and see some shows. Like, let's make because this is what the I want to do. Yeah, this <laughs> is like let's let's and then sort of Tate Modern's are quite a good one because at least you can run them up and down the turbine hall wear out some energy and then take them into a gallery <laughs> that was my that was my routine and yeah it was like a year ago when I took him to the Bonnar show he was it was an inset day at school and I really wanted to see the show before it closed and 
Um, so I kept him engaged by counting how many bottoms he could see in the Bonnard show. <laughs> so if you want to keep a five-year-old boy entertained in an impressionist exhibition, count naked. Because I'm sure that happens all the time. Yeah, count naked bottoms. I got quite a few odd stares and I was like, I don't care. I'm literally getting two hours in this show. So it's totally worth it for some weird stares from people thinking how inappropriate a five-year-old like, look, mummy, there's another bottom. <laughs> we did bottom sketching. It was quite awesome. Uh, so yeah they definitely they've been to lots of shows they get involved but I think at school they don't really gravitate towards art just because they probably have so much of it here they come to the studio and they've made some stuff in the studio well also I know the um, school um, onuses isn't uh, the creative practices music uh, visual arts have definitely started to take more of a backseat yeah um, I don't yeah, know about yeah. your your children's school maybe they've got lucky but I know um, from the experiences I've had in schools it's it's like an artist, you go in and that's the, one of the clearest experiences of art they're getting now. It's just um, very few uh, days. Um. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Um, and I see that with like some of the work I do. So when, um, my sort of pay job that sort of um, helps the studio, I work at the Courtauld Institute in their public programmes and you can see, you know, you, you go to schools and actually the workshop that, that sort of we're providing is, you know, really, really important because they can't justify Absolutely. that much. Well, I art. think um, artists in schools, they should be just... I can't see why it's not a thing. Like, it used to be more... Yeah, thing. and well, I just think even, you know, that there's just this... You know, it's not just, you know, that you're going to classroom and I'll show kids how to paint. It's problem solving, you know, yeah. which is a... Which is an, a skill that's kind of transferable skill you know whether it's for math or any kind of life skill that you know for me kind of when the practice of painting you know you you sort of put something down and then you're assessing okay what are the responses to that and it's yeah. all problem solving and all these skills are transferable and it's also um it's a good balance to uh, the academic institution isn't it so you spend so like children are spending so much more time on their sets when they're younger and then going forward with their gccs um, and it's a lot of um, um, kind of studying, reading, writing, maths. Um, and I think all those are hugely important. Of course they are. But I think uh, the space, I mean, it almost goes without saying that having um, art, art experiences is one of the things that we all remember from our school days have been one of the, for me anyway, um, one of the best experiences. Um, so you, uh, that's how you survivors, uh, well, yeah, the yeah, word yeah. survivors that's, quite yeah. strong. So yeah, there's, um, well, there's definitely, you know, I find that there's, there's sort of moments and I, there's sort of moments in my career where you've had kind of had more shows or I've had sort of a gallery kind of selling work or commissioning and, um, uh, have been, you know, I always feel really, you know, fortunate that you, you sort of have those moments, but there's definitely kind of highs and lows and there's times when, um, you know, you're not either selling work or showing work and actually you kind of, you do need to f keep paying those studio bills and, yep. you know, that studio rent needs to be paid. It's it like, makes it a lot easier in some ways to think like that, though, doesn't it? Like, I think like that. If I didn't do this, I don't have my studio yeah. and I don't have my practice. Yes, yeah, that's it. Like, there are things yeah. like, oh, I really don't want to be doing this today, but actually, like, this is going to buy me some more linseed oil. <laughs> or, you know, that's kind of how I justify it. Um, and, but I, I feel really fortunate, again, that that's a, it, the work in, in public programmes or... So I think artist educator is like the official role, which I always find a bit funny because what does that actually mean or say? But um, I go to 
schools and sort of talk about the practice of being a painter and work with them with projects, looking at mock making or even just kind of thinking creatively. And um, being freelance, it's great because if they're, you know, if I've got a show coming up, then I just won't do any of that. Yeah. You know, it, it, and that was it, finding kind of somewhere that you can sort of earn money that sort of stimulates you and interests you, but is also flexible enough that if, you know, you've got a show or a commission or anything that, you know, great in the studio, that you can kind of tone that down and yeah. then give everything to the studio. So, yeah, it is, it's great in that respect. So, on a, when you don't have a show or other things, on an average week, how often can you balance your time? Yeah, so I think I, on a good week, I'm in, I get like three, three days in the studio. So I get three days, like sometimes I can get a full week. Um, But yeah, I think kind of three, like my average is probably three days. I've heard um, that uh, 20 hours um, is the kind of minimum you can sustain your practice long term. Uh, spending in the studio uh, with all the other stuff going yeah. on as well, and it's it feels about right for me. I'm currently at two two and a half, yeah. Um, so I'm edging towards, but it sounds like you're doing better than me, basically. Uh, yeah, well, I think on a, I sometimes though, I suppose some of those studio days I am working on maybe some lesson plans or kind of writing out. You've got to do sort of aims and objectives. Yeah. So I suppose I'm not. Always, but I think even if you're just any work that you're just sitting looking in your studio, you know, you've still got some studio time there. I think just having some, because I think sometimes actually that sinking in and just sitting near your work filters down. And then actually the next time you're in the studio, you've got a better sense. I know definitely for me with the paintings, they take a long time for me to know where to move them onto, that there isn't kind of a direct line between the start and finish. They go through all these nuances. And a bit like a labyrinth that they'll kind of try one path and then you'll kind of get stuck in a dead end. And I just need to look at it for a while. So sometimes maybe doing some other work, but just having that in front of you, you've kind of got it in your mind in the background. And this also gives you the option if you do want to do an hour of painting or something else. Yes. Yeah. That's also something you can tack on. Yeah, day. totally. And yeah, and I think, yeah, yeah, yesterday I was kind of working on some stuff in the studio um, for a project I'm doing on Monday and just looking at the painting, I was like, oh, I know. It just suddenly, <laughs> this like light bulb that went off. And so then I just kind of left that kind of note making and just started mixing up some paints and kind of moved the painting along. So it is, you know, you've got that flexibility. Um, I started working in um, education, like, like the same type of thing, artists watch, and in a slightly different uh, way. So I've spent a lot of time in the classroom. And I remember, especially right at the beginning, um, how maybe I hadn't spent time with younger children enough until then, um, how it really impacted my perspective. And it did, I took that back to the studio sometimes. Do you, have you ever found oh, that? Oh, yes. Yeah, totally. Just their... Um, it's the openness, I, I find. The openness of their ways of seeing that I think can be great when you're working with younger children. Or even actually in the studio. So I was doing um, one of the projects was sort of curating a show and we were looking at kind of male gaze versus female gaze this is with an a-level group and i yeah that that thinking some of their comments when i was back in the studio if if you just see things sometimes you know just a comment you see things in a slightly different way and i think it's definitely been you know as you know it's essentially sort of a paid gig to sort of help you out with the studio but it's it has influence and it has been beneficial to the studio 
Well, that's uh, one thing I've observed re in more recent years is the um, openness for boys and girls to be uh, like uh, gender politics or um, it, I, I feel like, I mean, not that I'm that old, but at the same time, you definitely feel a generational shift happening. And I think spending time with a, a range of different age groups, have, I just find it really interesting to think, to see it from their perspective now and how they're viewing the world and how things might be changing hopefully for the better. Have you, have you ever found any of those things? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I think we've sometimes, I suppose with my practice being based in portraiture, quite often a lot of the projects at schools have been around identity. And so it is great having those conversations about, you know, when we were sort of looking at different examples of identity and sort of one of the kids just like, well, does it even matter that actually does that male, female, you know, is that, why is that at the sort of top of the list of maybe kind of, you know, hair colour, you know, it's that thing of actually from their kind of point of view of kind of what are the the initial things you notice about someone actually may not, you know, gender kind of isn't as high up as it probably used to be. There's just a, um, going back back into your practice then, because uh, um, obviously we've talked quite a lot about uh, your um, uh, other things about your work. Um, I'm just interested to know a bit more about the glass and have you had an opportunity to uh, show this in, in like a public space? So with the glassworks, I I haven't actually. They've um, they've just been yeah. I think I don't think yeah. I've been actually a lot of people have re sort of reached out via Instagram. They're quite sort of Instagrammable uh, things, I suppose, a lot more than the paintings are. Um, but no, I haven't shown them, and I'm still getting my head around how they get displayed because they're you know they're much more in the sort of object sculptural uh, world than painting is. Um, but the standard plinths that you get for glass artworks, um, I just think are really naff. Like these sort of perspex frames are just, it doesn't work. It kind of positions it much more within this sort of decorative craft world. So I want them to be much closer. So I'm trying to, I found these pins to put them on the walls, but that isn't quite right. I'm still needing to figure that out. Um, just something we didn't actually mention, I think, quite when we started talking about glass so the glass is two dimensional not two it's more like a relief or um, it's not tabletop or have you made, made well a it's range? so I have so some of them that are curved in a way so I suppose closer I think kind of like I don't really want to use the word bowl but they're sort of you know they're sort of curved a bit like a bowl but they um yeah they're they're image based but they're just very material heavy I suppose that might be the best way to describe them. That's a really them. good way to describe them. <laughs> um, but they're still, you know, very image. You know, you're still going to look at them essentially from kind of one direction. But um, they will change very much depending on where they're lit. So if they're up straight on the wall, you've got no light coming through them. So that's what I'm trying to figure out, how I have them with these kind of flat images. But in a situation, you know, without having kind of a light box, it, that just feels a bit too artificial. So I'm trying to find some ways so I had been experimenting with different sort of mini plinth things or making bits of glass for them to sit on so I'm just at the process where I'm playing with how they sit because it very much changes them um just sitting on a shelf isn't necessarily working for them and and actually they they have different you know as different pieces or different scales they require kind of a different setup to be displayed I'm assuming like the lighting on them as well would need to be yeah, quite different. Yeah, hugely. Um, it, 
you know, and then sort of if they're a bit away from the wall, there's a shadow. So I'm in a really exciting place with them um, that I'm still just figuring out how they how they exist, I suppose might be the best way, how they exist outside the studio, uh, rather than just kind of straightforwardly putting them up on a wall, trying to find more interesting ways that more meaningful ways of having them exist. Excellent. Well, I think it's been uh, it's been amazing coming to your studio so, and hearing about your practice currently. Um, do you have any shows coming up or is it um, something you're looking forward so, to? So, yeah, no today? shows coming up. I'm in a really good place in the studio, so I'm not really putting energy into, you know, applying to things or kind of putting out feelers that I'm... Yeah, I've got several exciting works on the go and I'm just, this year, I think I'm just going to focus on getting the work done and in a really exciting place. The bringing in these these hands and these bodies um, have really kind of ignited a new body of work. So I'm really excited about where they go. And I want some time as well just to figure out how the glass pieces become a bit more um, intrinsic to the practice rather than just a side strand of actually having the glass kind of having the same presence and gravitas and kind of significance in a way having the yeah. glass have the same significance to the paintings because they're still very much a craft element and how I also how I navigate that relationship between craft and fine art um so I feel really yeah I'm really engaged in the studio right now so we'll see where this when this body work is finished yeah. where it goes that's really exciting and I think it's really important to as an artist to be straight up about those type of things isn't it about you might need 12 months in the studio just to finish your body work to then think about what comes next or yeah totally and I I need my practice although painting can happen quite quickly the thinking or the kind of process behind them takes so long or even so I make all my own paint so even that is quite time consuming of grinding the pigments and it's fantastic because it's thinking time for the painting but they do take quite a while yeah, I think definitely they a good like a year is a good time to build up a a good body of work. Excellent. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, all the work. I do follow you obviously on Instagram, <laughs> and I like everything. Yay! <laughs> I literally like it, so not the, <laughs> the virtual likes. That's so, so, always annoying. So you may not really like it. You just virtually like it. No, no, no. The, oh, the opposite, other way around. The oh, okay. opposite. The opposite. <laughs> Uh, I hate the way the word like has now been stolen. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Used now, Social media have stolen that word like. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I'll be sharing uh, Nadine's uh, website in the show notes. And uh, so you'll be able to find her work there. I do recommend you go and have a look for yourself. Uh, and I think on Instagram, you use it sometimes to, to put out uh, work if you want to, um, if you're looking to clear some space in your studio. Um, so you may be able to uh, find a good bargain that way because uh, yes yeah sometimes with the glassworks actually though um I have yeah like sort of once a year we'll sort of have a shout out if these are going so you might get lucky if yes. you, uh, you have to follow her to find out so uh thank you very much again Nadine thank you okay take care